Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Think ID. My name is Pablo Lapatina. And I'm Williams Monier. And on this week's episode of Think ID, we're going to continue with our new segment of Antibiotics to Go, covering particularly the cephalosporins, which are another type of beta-lactam antibiotics. Cephalosporins are classified into generations 1 through 5, and these generations are supposed to help guide their spectrum of activity. You would think that as you increase in generation number, you increase in spectrum of activity. And for the most part, this is true. However, there are some subtleties that you may notice as we move throughout the segment. Before we get into each generation, cephalosporins as a class have a couple of things in common. The first being that they have a cross hypersensitivity with penicillins. Many publications refer to the percentage of this incidence as um, very wide. It's very different. However, for the most part, it's probably somewhere around 3 to 5%. The second thing is that they're not susceptible to penicillinases, but they are ex- susceptible to cephalosporinases. These two enzymes are a type of beta-lactamase enzymes, which we'll discuss further in a future episode. And then finally, the last thing they have in common is that no cephalosporin covers C. difficile, enterococcus, listeria, and KPC-producing enterobacteriaceae. I remember this acronym as CELK, C-E-L-K. Mm, that's good. So, also, it's really important to note that no cephalosporin covers anaerobes, atypicals, or any other miscellaneous organisms, except cephamycins, which are a particular type of second-generation agent that we will discuss shortly. So, since the spectrum of activity is extremely important when it comes to antibiotics, we wanted to discuss the spectrum of of the cephalosporins and all the generations first to help simplify and put things into a broader perspective. So, for the gram-positive coverage, we're going to be talking about staph or strep. All generations cover strep, while staph is what varies, and we'll tell you exactly how. So, the first-generation cephalosporins are going to cover all types of staph, including coagulase-negative staph. Generations 2 and 4 only cover staph aureus, while generation 3 only has one agent that covers staph aureus, and that's ceftriaxone. Finally, generation 5 which we only have one agent, ceftaroline, covers all types of staph, including the big, bad MRSA. So for the gram-negative coverage, we'll also try to break this down real easy-like. The first generation covers PEC, while the second generation covers HEN-PEC. PEC? Yeah, so that's capital P, capital E, lowercase c, and capital K. And HEN-PEC? Yeah, and then HEN is just capital H, capital E, capital N. HEN-PEC stands for... Haemophilus influenza, the E stands for Enterobacteriaceae, the N stands for Neisseria, the P stands for Proteus, and the E with the C stands for E. coli, and finally the K stands for Klebsiella. Ah. Yep. The third generation gets a little bit crazy because they all cover Enterobacteriaceae, the spasum organisms, and Neisseria, but in addition to this, ceftazidime is a unique third-generation cephalosporin that also covers Pseudomonas and Stenotrophomonas maltophilia. Moving on to the fourth and fifth-generation agents, cefepime and ceftaroline, both are similar in that they cover enterobacteriaceae and spasum, but what differentiates between them is that cefepime has pseudomonal coverage, while ceftaroline doesn't cover pseudomonas, nor does it cover acinetobacter in the spasum acronym. Got it. So since that pretty much takes care of the spectrum of activity, which mainly, as we discussed, was gram-positive and gram-negative coverage, with the exception of cefamycins, the rest of this episode will focus on which agents fall under each generation and their respective adverse effects. 
So let's get right into it. For the first generation cephalosporins, we have cefadroxyl, cephalexin, and cefazolin. Cefadroxyl and cephalexin are the oral formulations, and cefazolin is available as an IV. Unfortunately, there are many cephalosporins, and knowing which falls into which generation is mostly up to your memory. However, in the classroom, professors will typically specify which agents you're most likely to encounter, and then on rotations, you're going to get to see the most commonly used agents at your institution, and this will hopefully make it easier for you guys to recognize and remember them. The first-generation cephalosporins we just mentioned are the drug of choice for MSSA. This is really important because these agents are often used when de-escalating therapy once susceptibility cultures come back and show that they're susceptible to methicillin, and there's no other organisms that are suspected to be involved in the infection. Their adverse effects are similar to other beta-lactams, as we've discussed in previous episodes. We'll move on to the second-generation cephalosporins now, which include cephachlor, cefuroxime, cefprozil, cefotitan, and cefozitin. As Pablo mentioned earlier, there is a special breed of second-generation cephalosporins called the cephamycins, which include cefotitan and cefozitin. These agents are unique in that they cover oral anaerobes and bacteroids, and cefozitin actually has non-TB mycobacterium coverage. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the adverse effects, it's similar to other beta-lactams. However, the cephalosporins with the MTT sidechain, such as cephotitan, can cause bleeding due to the fact that it inhibits vitamin K production, and it has a disulfiram-like reaction with ethanol. As far as the third-generation cephalosporins and their adverse effects, we have cefixime, cefdenir, ceftibutin, cefpadoxime, cefotaxime, ceftriaxone, and ceftazidime. Their adverse effects are similar to other beta-lactams. However, this class has the strongest association to C. difficile-associated diarrhea out of all beta-lactam antibiotics. And that's something that you guys will encounter commonly Definitely. when you hear about C. difficile. So, cefpidoxime has an MTT sidechain like the second-generation cefoxetin, which, as you remember, causes it to inhibit vitamin K production and leads to a risk for bleeding and a disulfiram-like reaction if taken with alcohol. Ceftriaxone has a pretty significant problem in neonates since it interacts with calcium-containing drugs to form crystals in the lungs and the kidneys, which could lead to fatalities. In addition, it has biliary sludging, resulting in increased bilirubin levels. Cefepime is the only fourth-generation cephalosporin, and it has similar adverse effects to other beta-lactams, except it's associated with more neurotoxicity than other agents, usually due to the improper renal adjustments. And last but not least, we come to our most controversially labeled cephalosporin. Why is it so controversial? Well, some resources call it a fifth-generation cephalosporin, while more recently, some of them are calling it the anti-MRSA cephalosporin. And for that reason, you might hear it be referred by either name. The controversy lies in the fact that this drug has a slightly smaller gram-negative spectrum than that of cefepime, the fourth-generation cephalosporin, but it covers MRSA. Because of its ability to bind penicillin-binding protein 2A, which is a mutation made by Staphylococcus aureus organisms, allowing them to become resistant to all other beta-lactams. Again, their ad the adverse effects of ceftaroline are similar to that of other beta-lactams. To end this episode, we want to touch upon the combination of cephalosporins with a beta-lactamase inhibitor. There are two agents that we'll discuss. The first one is Zerbaxa, which includes ceftosalane, a third-generation cephalosporin, and tazobactam, a beta-lactamase inhibitor. 
The second agent is AVCAS, which includes ceftazidime, also a third-generation cephalosporin, and avibactam, another beta-lactamase inhibitor. The addition of avibactam to ceftazidime restores some pretty important activity, making it a potential last resort for many resistant infections. The gram-positive of Zerbaxa, on the other hand, is like any other third-generation in the sense that it has no staph coverage, but all strep coverage while the gram-negative is more similar to that of cefepime, except that it has no acinetobacter coverage. We'll go into, we'll go deeper. No, I don't like how that says, we'll go deeper. Let's get deep. We'll get, we'll go more in depth. We'll go more in depth into the beta-lactamase inhibitors, avobactam and tazobactam in future episodes. But until next time, bug, bug you next, next week. week.